And it is uh, January 29th, 2006, and we're discussing Lesson 13. Let's open in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for uh, your word, Father. We thank you for the men who have been careful in preserving it and bringing it to us. Father, but most of all, we thank you that you have, given, you have not left us without uh, insights to it, Father. First of all, you've given us the very text of your words. And Father, also, you've given us the Holy Spirit to discern and to uh, understand what it is that you have taught us. Lord, we thank you for that. We ask uh, that you might open our eyes this evening. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Baruch Adonai Hamvorach, Baruch Adonai Hamvorach, Leolam Vaed, Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bachavanu Mikoha Amin, Venatam Lanu Et Torato, Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Bless Adonai who is blessed. Blessed is Adonai who is blessed forever. Blessed art thou, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the peoples and gave to us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Amen. Apparently I had memorized some of that. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Yes, it's, a uh, it's, it's a normal one. Yes, there you go. All right. Well. For if he, speaking of Yeshua, Messiah, were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the Torah, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Hebrews 8, 4-5. I have studied Hebrews. I have spent many, many weeks studying Hebrews before I even came to the study and I never remember reading that verse before I've never heard a sermon that Yeshua would not be a priest if he were here on earth I've never heard that I was blown away when we did this study (laughs) how is it possible that it's written in my King James Bible and I never read it (laughs) am I blind as a bat or what it's amazing exactly He's supposed to be the prophet, the priest, and the king, all three. Yes, he, and he is. Do so you think he would be one here? Well, exactly. Well, was he going to be a king here? Well, I hope so. <laughs> this is this this. I mean, this is really earth-shattering when you think about it. If you stop to think about it, what you are reading is something that just really is is outside of the mainstream thinking of Yeshua's high priesthood. Not to say that it's. It's earth-shattering in the fact that he, what his high priesthood means to us, it's earth-shattering in the understanding of the discussion of his high priesthood in comparison and in contrast to the high priesthood of Aaron. Well, in, in mainstream Christianity, I've never been taught that. That was then. This is now. So that we don't need to con- contrast and we don't need to compare. Exactly. It's death done. Now he's the high priest. And if you want to learn a little bit about it, you can read a little bit about it by studying Aaron's priesthood. You can learn a little bit about Yeshua's priesthood, but other than that, there's really no correlation. Uh, in fact, the, the writer to this book is doing the opposite. He is he's trying to educate us based upon our understanding and knowledge of the Aaronic priesthood. Unfortunately, 
we come and we approach this with very little understanding of the Aaronic priesthood, and maybe not necessarily us in this room, but those of us who, who come from a, that background probably don't spend a lot of time studying. I mean, how many times have you studied those passages in Exodus and Leviticus? You know, probably not a lot. Excuse me, in Numbers as well. Last week we looked at the purpose of the tabernacle and the temple and we saw how it related to Sinai. And also in addition to that, point the right direction here, the tabernacle's singular purpose. Remember what it was? So that he, the Almighty himself, could dwell among us. That's its purpose. God is still dangerous. We, just, we talked about how the fact the temple and the, and, the, and the tabernacle as Mount Sinai had protocols. If they were not followed, there was physical danger. Eternal danger? Who knows? Uh, uh, you know, we could argue about that. We could discuss that. That's not the point, though. The point is, it's physically dangerous. Okay. But we we also saw salvation as different levels of scripture. It was a little bit of a different tack from from the rest of the lesson last week. It was something in addition to uh, what we were looking at. But part of that is so that it's, so that we can begin to understand as we approach the priesthood this week, the high priesthood of Yeshua. What is the purpose of it? What is the purpose? What was the purpose of the Aaronic priesthood? Uh, how was it that they operated? What was the uh, what was the effect on the worshiper? And the effect, and what is the effect on the worshiper? See, I'm doing it too, Pastor. I was just say, in looking at the high priest, of, looking at the high priest of Yeshua, it is important to look at the priestly order of Aaron and see the contrasts and comparisons. And that's what we did this week. We went through and we saw the contrasts and comparisons. Before we do that, let's look a little bit at this ironic order. Uh, starting off in Genesis 29:31, and read, uh, going through uh, verse 34. Um, what is what? Uh, what does? First of all, Aaron, Aaron comes from, and Moses came from the, uh, and, and Miriam come from the tribe of of Levi. Levi, what? What's the, you know, all, and, and we see that the that the Levites were to serve as as priests, right? We, we talked about briefly why the Levites got to be the ones, you know. <laughs> you keep those who are maybe the most. Uh, it's like your children who are the who, who are the most. Uh, what do you want to say? Mischievous. You keep them closest to you. <laughs> One could say that about Levi. Absolutely. And you follow the follow the Levites, and that's that's what you discover. Um, but this name Levi. What's the name Levi? It gives us an indication right from the beginning. Levi was named for a reason. What was it? Anybody get it? Why did Leah name uh, her son? Levi, Levi. She wanted to be attached to her husband. And maybe the third son was finally going to do it. Maybe this one will do it. Yeah. Maybe now I'll be attached. And that's 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 actually what the what the word Levi means to join. Now, how cool is that? The priests were to bring together, they were to be the representatives both of God and of man. So that in the priestly service, they brought together God and man. They represented God, and they also represented the worshiper. So we see this God and man being represented, God and man both being represented in the priest. Levi, he brought them together, he joined them. 
where did this priesthood come from? This is at the end of Exodus, where we read about the fact that the temple gets erected and it, and it gets erected correctly. But before even all that happens, he speaks specifically about uh, Aaron. And he's already consecrated Aaron, but then he says in verse 12, chapter 40, verse 12 of Exodus, Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as a as priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him. So he did. How long was this priesthood of Aaron to be? Excuse me, to Aaron and his descendants to be everlasting. Um, we, we were going to discover that as soon as we get into Leviticus that it, it is everlasting, but unfortunately, the men who will officiate in that office aren't. And two of Aaron's sons are struck down because they didn't follow the rules <laughs> that they'd been given. Now, like immediately, I mean, it's like the consecration of the tabernacle, and what do they do? This is cool. Listen, this is honest truth. This is what I believe. I believe that they were sincere and excited about what they saw. You know, the 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 offering of the Lord was, I mean, the offering was put on the altar, and fire came down from heaven and consumed it. And they're like, "Wow, is this great or what?" And it says the people shouted, and what? And 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 Aaron's. Two oldest sons, what do they do? They go and grab the censer and saying, this is exciting. And they, it says they put strange fire. They didn't follow the protocol. And what happened? That same fire that came down and consumed the, came down and consumed them. Just like that. Was it not like, and I can't remember the guy's name, they're moving the ark on the cart. Yes. And they hit a rut. Yeah. And it started to fall. And, it got, and, you know, the way it puts it, he just put his hand out to stop the thing from falling. Yeah, he got, boom. Yeah, he got an That was it, right there. Yeah. Like you said, it, it, seemingly, innocently. Absolutely. With good intention. Absolutely. And he just didn't follow, follow the rules. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I, I feel nothing, I, I feel no animosity towards these two at all. I mean, they, they got excited, they got caught up in the moment, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's different, isn't it? I mean, you have to, you have to follow the protocols. It's more than just following rules. It's the emphasis on the fact that God is holy. The rules are there because a holy God to protect them cannot interact with an unholy. That's right. They, 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 they. It wasn't because they broke the rules. It was because those rules were placed. The protocols were in place to protect them. You know, and their their zeal and their love for God did not physically protect them. <laughs> You know, and, and you know what's funny is immediately Moses says, "Everybody stop!" In effect, everybody stop, stay where you are. He tells Aaron, "Don't you start mourning right now. Everybody stay where you are. Don't you dare leave." And and the other two sons, "Don't you dare leave where you are. Don't leave this place. Something bad has happened, no question. But if you if you mess up now, it could be bad for you as well." You know. <laughs> So, but anyway, the, pre, the order is, is everlasting. It's no guarantee the priests are everlasting. Okay? Leviticus 24. 
8 through 9. This is repeated. Actually, there's a lot of places it says it here. I just picked, I picked a couple that would kind of give you the overview. Um, but Leviticus 24, uh, it's not 89 through 9. It's 8 through 9. I believe that's correct. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord. Speaking of the high priest, uh, excuse me, or the priest. Um, Shall, shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. So it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. It's a perpetual statute. Okay? And it's speaking of other things that they're doing, but it relates to their covenant. It's a perpetual statute. Go to Numbers 25.10. The reason why I always include Pinchas or Phineas when I discuss the priesthood of Aaron is because uh, the priesthood of Aaron, the, the everlasting nature of it is kind of spread out over many different passages. In, in Numbers 20, 25, 10 through 12, it is clear and unequivocally Pinchas's and his descendants. There's just no question to be made about what it's speaking of. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous for my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant and everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. This is how this is how Levi got the priesthood was being zealous for God there at the golden calf incident or following the golden calf incident. But here we see Phineas is is zealous for the very words of God and acts uh, in 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 defense of Israel by striking and killing the offender. It's not everlasting. It's an everlasting spell check. Always spell check. Hebrews 8.4 which we just read the high priest of Yeshua does not annul or pre- a previous covenant that's from, that's from Galatians chapter 4 tells us a covenant does not even among men a covenant does not annul a previous covenant well let me, let me ask you something if, if someone comes if you make an agreement to sell your house and someone comes later and says listen I know I made an agreement to buy your house however there's some you know some problem with it well, you're going to tell them, hey, look, the only way there's a problem with it is you're going to give me more money, right? Because the base price was already been set. You know, and the only way there's a problem with it is if you have to add, or, or, there are fewer stipulations, not more. In this case, it's the opposite. It, it works exactly the opposite in a covenant between God and man. There's no way that there could be, okay, by the way, what I said before doesn't matter anymore. Now I have a new way, or I have a new covenant. Well, there are new covenants. We're going to study that. Wouldn't it be like, I buy this house. If I go buy another house, I no longer own this house? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that can't be. Right. I mean, it's just the two are not related. Yeah. It's just another. And, and, and Paul's point in Galatians is that even among men, covenants don't override previous covenants. Unless you outright say, no, no, this is annulled or whatever else. The point is a covenant does not annul another covenant. They both have to be concurrent or you can't make it. Uh, and so what we see here is the priesthood of Yeshua, the covenant, which we're going to see is made by an oath, the covenant of the priesthood of Yeshua 
made by an oath, cannot annul, in and of itself, cannot annul the priesthood of Aaron, which is the common teaching. And the reason why it can't, we read in chapter 4, or chapter 8, verse 4 of Hebrews. It didn't. Well, first of all, it can't, but it didn't either. He's saying, if he were a priest here on earth, he would, or if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest. So, what we understand is, now there's something here. He tells us, he gives us a hint. It has to be on earth. If Yeshua is on earth, he would not be a priest. But he's not on earth, so he is a priest. Okay? Why? He's from the tribe of Judah. And it, and it says in chapter 8, God spoke nothing about the tribe of Judah in serving in the tabernacle. But he is a priest. He's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Well, it must be a different... It's a different priesthood, but it must have a different domain in which it serves. That's the key. It must be in a different domain in which it serves. Which, as you read, and if you did the contrast and comparison scriptures here, you discover that's exactly what the point is he's making. Melchizedek precedes Aaron. How is this? Number one, number, this is another interesting anomaly to this whole theory that the priesthood of Yeshua annulled the priesthood of Aaron. The anomaly is, wait, Melchizedek was the order that Yeshua is a member of. That preceded Aaron as well. If there was any replacement, which there wasn't, it would be the other way around. Aaron would replace Melchizedek, which is nonsense. Now, these must be concurrent priesthoods. I've been, I've been going to church a long time, and I've never, I've never heard a sermon teaching that there are two different priesthoods. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I know, but it's like it's pretty obvious. In the, yeah, it's pretty obvious in this book. That's exactly what is being argued. It's being argued two different, separate, yet comparable priesthoods. Uh, let's do the contrast and comparisons. You guys have your outlines uh, there that you that you filled out yourselves. <coughs> Starts off with. Was that clear, by the way? I hope it wasn't too confusing. Was it too confusing? Or did you just go into much detail? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I, 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 as I was going through this, I was going, my goodness, I could write a whole lot more than I, than I am here. Yeah. Starting off with the first one I did for you, two, 17 through 18. This is a comparison. The comparison is that these two priesthoods are both human or involve human priests or human uh, yes human priests uh, both both merciful and faithful in things pertaining to God and both made propitiation for the sins of the people everybody agree? moving on to verse uh, chapter 4 verse 4 this is a contrast where Melchizedek that is Yeshua I just labeled it Melchizedek or Aaron obviously the order of priests uh, Yeshua being the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek Melchizedek Um, 4.14 is a contrast Yeshua passed through the heavens go real quickly to that look at that because that's exactly the point that he's making in 8.4 in reverse for he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way Oh, that's not, oh, 4.14. Hold on, hold on. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Yeshua, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He is a high priest who's passed through the heavens versus Aaron who is a priest on earth. Right? There's a, con- there's a contrast. <clears throat> 4.15. Uh, another contrast. 
this priesthood, most specifically Yeshua, he's without sin. Is Aaron without sin? Heaven forbid. No. Aaron had to offer sacrifices for himself. Yeshua is without sin. That's a contrast. Okay? Which, by the way, makes an excellent theological point that is brought out in this book that you may not get by reading other places in Scripture. Yeshua was sinless. Can you go to the places that describe Yeshua as sinless in your Scripture? He was without sin, became sin on our behalf. Okay. The only one that comes to mind. Okay. After his temptation in the desert, yes, it's clear that Good. he passed the test. He passed the test? The, the point the point is that this is a this is a this is is taught to us by giving us a contrast to Aaron, right? It's a contrast. Unlike Aaron, he's without sin. Wow! I just learned something about. I mean, I didn't just learn something, but we learned something about him that we may not get easily. Now, this may be a theological truth we hold to, but finding the passages in Scripture that teach this maybe are a little bit more difficult than people think. Sometimes you're getting it by default. Right. Because you know the land. It's, it's spotless. It's spotless. Sure, sure. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 5 1. This one was uh, a comparison. Again, human taken from among men, appointed for men in things pertaining to God to offer gifts and offerings. Does anybody have verse. One of chapter five, written in the present tense. Mine does. My New King James says, "For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may may offer, and that's present tense as well, both gifts and sacrifices for sin." Anybody have past tense? Why do you think it's in present tense there? You may think, what are you talking about? The translators read present tense and put it in present tense. False. The reason why it's in present tense there is because it's speaking of both Aaron and Yeshua. And the translators read that and go, it's speaking of Yeshua, so I better make it present tense. Because as we're going to discover is, the translators from here on begin to mess with things, not just a little bit, but... Dozens and dozens of times they change the tense of the verbs. Anytime they're speaking of Aaron, they make it past tense. When in fact it's present tense. Why? Comparison, 5-2. And you all jump in if if I skip one that you have written. Okay? This is where we start on our own here. 5-2. How can he, speaking of a priest, can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject, subject to weakness? I say that's a comparison. You go on and read that in fact this is a contrast speaking of the weakness of the priest, but that's exactly why Yeshua is born in a human body, a weak body, subject to sin, although he was without sin. Right? So I say that's a comparison that he can have compassion upon others. He's in a human body. We put that back on... Added that to 2, 17, and 18. Good, good. So, uh, so it's a comparison. Okay. Anybody get anybody get something different there? 
By the way, that's present tense, which is a hint right there. And it reads also in the English in present tense, a hint, a hint right there, the translators agreed with me. <laughs> that this was both of them. <laughs> five three. Oh, here we get a good one. Contrast. What is the contrast here? Five three. Because of this, he is required as for the people, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. For himself. Well, obviously, we know by what we've already read that he's sinless. Yeshua is sinless. So this is speaking only of Aaron. Agreed? Okay. Well, you know, this is, this is fortunate here because they kept it in present tense. In case there any of them nasty priests still around, when, we're, when, when you're reading this, then understand there was sin too. <laughs> it's in present tense. Chapter 5, verse 4. So far, I haven't skipped any verses, so I haven't skipped any, right? And no, one, and no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. So this is a comparison, right? It's comparing both Yeshua's priesthood under Melchizedek's order and Aaron's priesthood and all those priests that follow were called by God. They didn't take it for themselves. It wasn't like some sort of, uh, by the way, we'll be the clergy, you be the lay people, as is commonly seen in throughout Christendom for the last 2,000 years. This is, in fact, God-ordained. This group of people, not by some... By the way, I received a calling from the Lord. Not, by, by the, not to minimize people who say they have a calling from the Lord. But I received a calling from the Lord and I'm supposed to be clergy. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, no. This is very openly. My daddy was a priest. His daddy was a priest. And I got the genealogy, and by the way, the DNA now that can trace me all the way back to Aaron. So this priesthood is not something I chose for myself. I was born this way. I need to look it up. How did they pick the high priest each year? Well, um, you were high priest that he died. Yeah, and his son. His son? Yeah. Okay. That's right. High priest had to have sons. Is it the closest male descendant of Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we see that Eli's two sons are killed. Who becomes high priest, in effect? His adopted son. That's right. Who we learned was from the tribe of Levi. <laughs> Five six. Did I skip one? Well, he didn't glorify himself. Yes, as high priest. That's a contrast. Did anybody get that one? Five six. He also says in another, "You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek." He's comparing him. He said, "You are a priest forever." So both of them are priests forever. Both priesthoods are priests forever. True. It's by implication, I say. Get something different? You might got something different? Skip over to 619. Did I get did, missing any five that you wrote down? Which, which, which? No, come on. I, I Look, I just I was just going through them, so. Right. No, I'm just trying to come up through the writing. What? We, we put coming forever with a note when we got to chapter 7. So it was, we, okay. we were okay. facing ourselves. All right. Any others? Any others? Valerie, did you get something different there? Any more out of five? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> Do you need glasses? All right. Made perfect. Made perfect. Ooh. Named by God to um, the order of Melchizedek. Five ten, but I don't think that's right. Maybe nine and ten together. Five ten. That's nine and ten together. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Six nineteen. 
this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us even Yeshua having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek I put down I put down compare because the high priest in the tabernacle and temple entered behind the veil in other words it was you read it almost like it's a contrast there but it's saying something that the high priest did as well what's different? nothing different order Aaron that's the only difference right? different place (laughs) different effect I mean it's like night and day different effect but that's not the point the writer is making there right? guess what? present tense enters behind the veil okay enters Um, anybody know anything about Millerites? Seventh-day Adventists? Um, they have this they read the Hebrews in, in the early 1840s very similar to what we're doing the difference is they made a big deal about it ha- actually happening in time and space uh, and, and their whole thing was Yeshua had not yet entered into the Holy of Holies and that was something yet coming future and the events of Revelation would spell out when that was going to be or whatever else and they built a whole eschatological view of w- the world and that's how they all went up on a mountain up in upstate New York and you know waited for they said okay it's going to happen 2,300 uh, years after the destruction of the first temple or something along I, I didn't get it right I'm sorry but it's something along that they figured it'd be in 1840 such and such and everybody went up and they didn't, he didn't come back well you know from that Millerite experience uh, Seventh-day Adventists got founded and, and several others splinter groups that came from that it's from a it's from a kind of a way that we're reading it but some significant changes because of the tenses of the verbs but it was a literal read well I read, I read it literally too but the tenses of the verbs they made, they made the entering into the Holy of Holies past tense for Yeshua who wasn't here's the interesting thing or future uh, uh, present tense or future it was past the interesting thing is almost all these verbs describing these two priesthoods if it describes Aaron it speaks in the present tense if it describes Yeshua and what he did it's in the past tense our translators in most English versions are pretty faithful to that and bringing Yeshua into the past tense understanding it had to be completed action right in other words the effect of his priesthood has been perfected upon us and it's completed nothing can be added to it it's not yet future Okay. Uh, however, when they get to the priesthood of Aaron, that's where they fiddle with the verbs. And, and, the, and the Millerites, unfortunately, were taking the opposite tack. They were putting things that Yeshua had, has done as yet future. Okay? So it is really important. And it, I, the reason I'm bringing all this up, it is important to understand the tense of these verbs because it can have a dramatic effect uh, I mean, Millerites are a perfect example of in the way that you view a lot of things. Has this happened yet or not? Uh, seven three. Did I skip any there? Without father, without mother, without genealogy, without either beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. That's not like Aaron, is it? Aaron has to prove each priest under Aaron has to prove his genealogy 
He has to say, I'm from Aaron. My daddy was a priest. His daddy was a priest. Right? Otherwise, he couldn't serve. He could not serve unless he could prove who he was. Yeshua, by the way, proved who he was, but he didn't have to have a genealogy that proved his relationship to Machitzedek. That's the point. And that's the relationship that Machitzedek has. Machitzedek is not a genealogy that comes from Aaron. So, okay, Machitzedek has to come from Aaron, so we've got to find all... No, no, he precedes him. He doesn't have a genealogy. It says he doesn't have a father or mother and a beginner end as well. Those are different issues. The point here is he doesn't have to have a pedigree to be priest. Okay? Just so happens Yeshua has a pedigree, but that's not the issue here. Well, his, his pedigree proves that he cannot be a There you go. Yeah, his pedigree proves he's not from the seed of Aaron. Yeah, it works both ways there. The contrast is he's not Aaron. Okay? 7.5 and indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Machitzedek receives tithes, in effect, from Aaron through Abraham. This is what we see in, in Genesis. Through Abraham, Levi is, in effect, in, in, in Abraham's loins. So we see that, in effect, Machitzedek receives tithes. Who's the greater? That's the point. Who's the greater? Machitzedek's order is the greater. And he also precedes Aaron. It's a contrast. 7-7. Seven, seven. Now, beyond all contradicting, the lesser, lesser is blessed by the better. What I skip? What I skip? The, uh, we beg we beg to uh, Julianne, go ahead. Well, in 7-5, we actually think that it's a comparison in that they both receive... That's good. I agree. I agree. That is a comparison that they both received tithes. Absolutely. The only thing, and the only reason I put it was a, is a contrast was actually because it was proof that, because Aaron gave tithes to Melchizedek, it was proof that they weren't of the same order. That's all. But that conflict. But yes, I agree. I agree that they both received tithes as a comparison. Yes, absolutely. Pardon me? That's right. That's true. So that's a contrast. That's a contrast. That's right. Good. You said that too? <laughs> Good. <laughs> See, these are the best kind of arguments. Uh, anyway, 7-7 seven, seven is a contrast. Machizedek, that is Yeshua, is a better priesthood. Right? He's the higher of the two orders. Okay? 720. It's not that late yet. It's not that late yet. What I skip? Okay, what I skip? What I skip? Bring it up. Seven eight. Machitzedek lives. Ooh yes. Aaron does. There we go. Or Aaron dies. There you go. Seven nine. Seven nine. This is where we were with Valerie. Levi paid the tithe. Okay, good. That's the contrast. That's good. That's good. And then which is the only twenty? Thirteen or fourteen? Yeah. He was a tribe of Judah, not of Levi. There you go. Seven sixteen. Contrast, not illegal, but a power of the endless life. Wow. Aaron didn't have an endless life. Yeah. Wait, power of the endless life. Aaron of endless life. That's eternal. That's true, too. Wait, 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 no, no, no. Let's, let's not confuse the idea of having an eternal priesthood with you're going to live forever, too. Right, right. Yeah. Right. It's, 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 it's not illegal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, was. Right, here's, here, here's what it's like, Morgan. It's like those two guys that got nailed. 
you know, the two sons of Aaron that got they got killed. Well, their priesthood was forever, but not them. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? You have to remember, I'm sleepy while I'm doing this as well. So. Okay, 720. Uh, inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath. And I, I incorrectly said this last week and I corrected myself, but the point here is Yeshua was made priest by an oath. It's not just a covenantal thing. It's, even, it's something even more. And it makes the big point here that being priest with, by an oath is a bigger deal. Okay. Uh, I, I, it says he swore by himself, you know. And, you know. Well, well, God swore. Yeah. In, in the case of Aaron, there is no oath. No. You're, you're an Aaron's descendant. There you you're go. The well, that's good. See, that, I, I, that's, I think that's. I think that's the point. Yeah. I assumed it was an individual. That's a good point. That's a good point. Jesus is definitely given a covenant, which is similar. Very, very, very. I agree. That's 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 a good point. Yeah, but you know, he court the oath in there. I'm not reading it. Clearly. Yeah, he does. So. That's a good point. The, the the oath being Yeshua is the priest versus Aaron, uh, you and your descendants, and and the way that you know that your priest is your daddy was a priest. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And That's a good point. Put, uh, Twenty-eight, same deal. On, on twenty. Oh, twenty. Twenty and twenty-eight are, are both the same. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Good. Good. Which, by the way, that's what we discussed a couple weeks ago or last week. I can't remember what it was. We were talking about problems, problems you might have, and it says when there's a change of priesthood, there's a change in Torah. That, and that's that's what made it clear to me was when I got to verse 28. Well, it's not talking about. It's talking about the the way that you become priest. It's by it's by the Torah says you're going to be the priest because you, you you're descended from Aaron. Uh, verse 23, contrast. But inasmuch, uh, excuse me, also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. You die, you're no longer the priest. <laughs> it's kind of like, the good news is you're the priest forever. Bad news is you're going to die. <laughs> you just kind of seem looking down at the dead body. You're not the priest. <laughs> you're not the priest anymore, yeah. That's terrible. Sorry. 7.25. Therefore, he also is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is, goes back to that idea of being a priest and that word, the name Levi, joined together. He's able to save to the uttermost. How? Well, first of all, he's not simply a priest, merely a priest in the tabernacle on earth that brings man and, and God together for a moment of worship. He is the one that brings God and man together in the, in the heavenlies eternally. So he is able to save, not just temporally, you know, save us from the enemies that surround us. He is able to save that person to the uttermost. And there's, there's no way that you could be saved better than this. He doesn't just save them, save them from the enemies in their, around them, but he also saves them from... The wrath of God. That's right. From the presence of God. 
it's exact, and actually that's a really good point. That's an excellent point. The whole idea of following the protocols was to be in the presence of God without getting we struck dead. He lives forever to make intercession for them, and that's more than praying. That's like standing in the gap. Exactly. To absorb the wrath of God so that it Perfect. can't go any further on the other side and destroy me. As it was our shield in the very presence of the all-consuming fire of God. That's good. That's really good. That's that's a great way of looking at that word save us to the uttermost. Save them to the uttermost is the idea that to be protected from the consuming presence of God eternally. Yeah. What's the, what's the other side of it? Yeshua saves to the uttermost, but Aaron saves. Aaron only saves. That's right. Aaron saves while you're there. It works. It works. You're not consumed. There you are. You're in the presence of God in the temple. Uh, you walk away unharmed. You had a great experience, but you walked away. It didn't last. And the next time you come... The next time you come, you're going to have to go to Aaron as well. again. And here's my sacrifice, and we're going to look at sacrifices later. Here's my sacrifice. Here's the blood. Uh, both of us are going to ascend into the presence of God, as it were, and and uh, have this great experience. But again, it's only going to last as long as you're there. It's the shadow of that pattern. It's a shadow. It is a shadow. It's real. It is real. But it is only, I should say only, because I'm trying to get away from that. It is real. But it's not the same thing as eternal. It's temporal. It does. It has an end. Okay. It's a quality of life. Our life here. How can it be compared to our life in the presence of God? One's eternal, and one has got an end. Is it good? Yeah. Is it a picture of what life will be then? In some regards, yes. A, a small picture, but it is a picture. It is, it is real. But it's not nearly as good, and that's the point. That's why it's titled, How Much More? It's not nearly as good as the eternal. 8-2, did I skip any? We're moving uh, along. Uh, did you have, what's, what's that one? Uh, 26. 25, okay, 26. The contrast there that uh, he is holy, innocent, unstained, separate. Excellent. Excellent, yes. He, and it repeats it again, by the way, this, it does it a lot, you know. I, I wasn't implying that Yeshua, there's not many scriptures that talk about a sinlessness. There's a lot. But the way that he goes about describing it is in this essence of him being a priest and he's sinless. Okay? As a contrast to Aaron, who isn't sinless. Clearly is not sinless. Contrast in 8-2. Any others? Okay, well. <laughs> 27, okay. Who does not need daily as those high... Very good. Does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. Boy, I can't believe I skipped that one. <laughs> daily versus once for all. That's a contrast. Yeah. Big time. Which... Which I thought, having read that, in our in our notebook, we were on the I was on the page eighty two. So the answer the the question you were following up at the end of this oh, yeah. humongous chart was on the right hand side, if you were on earth, would he be the high priest? Well I just finished reading that, so I thought, Well no, he's already done it. Very good. And I don't know if that's where you were going, but at that point I thought, Well, hey, he he did this thing once. He he sat down. 
So it would be gay bad. I would be well. No, that, that, that's a good point. And actually, I would I would offer that that's an explanation. It's an incomplete explanation for it because as Valerie brought up, he lives to make intercession for us. It's not just talking about praying for us. He stands as our protection. I agree. Yeah. So, in in the sense that he offered up himself, as we're going to see here in a second, offered up himself as a sacrifice. That was once for all. And there's nothing else to be done. So no, he's not going to serve in that role as a high priest again. It's, it doesn't have to be done. But the, as other role of, as high priest, he is he is definitely serving as our high priest. Yeah. Ever. Ever lives. Yeah. Uh, eight two. Did I do that one? Eight twenty eight. Okay. Okay. Seven twenty eight. Seven twenty eight. For the law, yes. And that, Joseph brought it up. Let's go through it again, though. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of by the word, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. Perfected forever is what you what you taught up, brought up before as well. Perfected forever. Okay. Yeah, weak versus perfect. Good. Okay, 8-2. <laughs> oh, missed another one? Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. 8-2. Contrast. Yeshua serves in the heavenly tabernacle. Now, I'm going to try to get to this one. Now, this is the main point of the thing we are saying. Hello? <laughs> this is the point. Ah man, and you know, and it, when I read, I've read this before. Again, you know, how do you see this? This is the main point, as he said back there earlier. Says, and this is what we're talking about: the world to come. This is the main point of what we are saying. We have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Majesty in the heavens, minister of the sanctuary, the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. Now we see, we immediately read the true tabernacle and go. <laughs> better than the fake one. <laughs> the false one. Yeah, the false one. No. No, the true tabernacle in the sense of it's the original and the copy was man-made, but it was divinely instructed. <laughs> it is man-made. It is the lesser. It can never compare to the tabernacle in heaven. But God mandated it and it worked. So the contrast there is Yeshua serves in the heavenly tabernacle. Which then he goes on in verse 4 and says, oh, excuse me, before I get there. Verse 3, he compares. I'm, I'm moving to get there, man. For every high... Well, I'm looking at my watch here going, man, how am I going to get to you? <laughs> For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also has something to offer. Who's he speaking of? Well, first of all, both, and it is present tense. Is that something? For every priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Both. By the way, those who take the present tense verbs here and say that that is proof that this book was written before the destruction of the temple, which I wouldn't disagree with. I believe it was. That in in and of itself is not proof because the Mishnah also records all of the temple services detailed in the present tense and the Mishnah was written well it was it began to be compiled it wasn't finished until the 2nd century 
uh, the end of the second century in the common era. So obviously the temple was long gone, and yet it speaks also as if it's ongoing. So that in and of itself doesn't prove it. Yeah, pardon? With my guys, they never even been. Yeah. So that doesn't prove it. More of proof that the, that that this was written in my mind before the temple was destroyed. Although it it doesn't really matter to me either way. The the discussions it remains the same. Um, in my mind, the reason why is because this is it, it doesn't mention that it ceased and give an explanation for its ceasing, which you would expect it to give an explanation. Why is it no longer here? Because it's going into such detail to describe the services in it, right? Uh, did I offer that one? Yes. They, they, both. Both offer gifts and sacrifices. Okay? Just so happens that Yeshua's was once and for all. 8-4. Uh, here we go. Contrast. Uh, for if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest. This does not this does not minimize his priesthood. Far be it. But neither does it, it does it uh, uh, minimize Aaron's priesthood, which is my point. Both have a realm. One is greater than the other, but they do still have a realm. Okay. Aaron would not be a priest in the tabernacle in the heavenlies. Well, how could you even think such a thing? Well, the same is true in the reverse. Yeshua is not, if you were here on earth, would not be a priest. All right? Six. Did I skip one in five? <laughs> did I? I did, didn't I? Okay, there we go. Okay. All right, so, six. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. His ministry is better. It's a contrast. Yeshua's ministry is better. It, it is a more perfect ministry. It's established on, on better promises. What promises? Well, first of all, just right off the bat, think of this. You get to come into my presence. Excuse me, I'm paraphrasing. You get to come, up, come in my presence, and when you come... Follow these protocols and you won't die. It'll be a great thing for you. But you can't have to, every time you come back, you need to repeat it. Versus, you can be in my presence forever. Hello? I mean, is there, is there a contrast there? Uh, yeah, I'll take the forever. That'd be great. Well, I can't experience the forever now. Not in that body. That's right. Interesting. I think the thing that screamed out to me about the better wasn't so much that this is like outdates the other I think that's just the way it's read it's, this is better therefore the other wasn't just less good it was not good that was not good enough we had to upgrade, upgrade but I think yeah. that better is simply what it means better the other one was, was good for what it had to do but this is more important in a sense we have a cultural issue with this idea of better anyway the, the cultural issue is you know you always have to improve there's always an improvement later version of a product is a better product uh, you know last long enough live long enough everything gets better you know the, the you know and, and yet we all know instinctively that that's not true and in fact Yeshua himself said the old is better speaking of the wine and, and clearly we're not saying Aaron is better here but we've got a confusion when we talk about the word better it means it's, that the other is obsolete it's, out, it's been outgrown it's, it's almost like the word really needs to be different I, I agree that it's, it's, it is better but it's also so different from the other that you almost can't even compare. Exactly, and and I think that, and I think actually, I think that's the, I think that's what the writer means when he uses the word better. He's, he's in effect saying, in this regard, there's no comparison. Well, well, back to your point months ago or weeks ago when we first started, the same thing. If the temple was still going when this was written, 
and they were still going in and doing the ironic stuff. That's exactly how they were taken. Because he never did say, hey, that was, that was, that was, darn it, that was almost bad. Yeah, how dare this you? This is so much better. Yeah. He doesn't say that. Yeah. He's just saying this is more better. Remember, remember our, hist- our history records the view of this book, our history, Christian history, records the view of this book as exactly what you described. It was a sin for Israel to worship in the temple. Now, no one comes right out and says it that way, but they sure get close. And, and the people reading and receiving this would not have taken it in that way. No way. They would be looking at, wow, with this, with this priest, I get to come into the presence of God, and this is good. Wow, this is even better. Do you understand how, how this writer is trying to make this point? Listen, what you're experiencing is good. What I want to explain to you is what Yeshua has given you is like that, but better. It's significant to put it into the context of what's happening. What's happening is not, you can do both, but you really should get rid of one because it's better. It's, you're having to make a choice. You can either go to the temple Very good. or you can worship Yeshua. Your choice. Very good. And so the writer of the Hebrews is telling them, look, ideally you do both. That's the great thing. You get the best of both worlds. But you're being put in a position to have to make a choice now and so if you're going to have to choose, I want you to take the better Very good. And I think that's where the whole better comes from. Because in our culture, we're at a point where we don't understand the idea of wanting to go to the temple mm-hmm. and versus being able to keep Yeshua. For us, it's a non-issue. Therefore, better means the other one wasn't very good. Speak for yourself. I pray for it every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when he was done, when, when the temple is rebuilt... Surely, this book will take on completely different significance. That's why, that's why all believers need to pray the Amidah. It's exactly what he says. May, may you bring the offerings in your service, in your temple, here today, now. I know that it's much more downgraded from this, but I can't help but think about going to the Western Mall last It summer. is. Well, it is. And the presence of God there is real. It is it's real. It's an emotional experience. It's a powerful spiritual it experience. Is. I mean, it you is. really do interact with God on a level that's very different from anywhere else in the world. And to be at an even higher plane than that, the, the, it would be very hard if somebody said, okay, you either have to keep doing Yeshua or you have to leave this. It would be. So I, so I think that you have to always keep that concept. It would be. It would be. It is. It is a marvelous experience. No question about it. Nine nine. Oh, I keep delaying here. Let's go into nine nine. Now, I just got to tell you, and that's what I was looking at when y'all showed up here. I was looking up all these verbs regarding the earthly sanctuary, which we're going to go into in depth as we move forward. But I was just curious again. I've done it. I want to remind myself again of these verbs because I didn't want to speak out of turn. But all of these verbs in chapter 9, speaking of the tabernacle, of the service of the priesthood in the tabernacle, and what the tabernacle shows, present tense, are all in the present tense. So where you read this, and it changes the tense to past tense, above it were, verse 5, above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot, we cannot now speak in detail. Were is above it are. 
Now these things, verse 6, now these things have been thus prepared. The priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins, committed in ignorance. The holy, Verse 8, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Does not read like that in the Greek. Which he offered, excuse me, the Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the Holy of Holies is present tense, is not, is not made manifest. And actually it doesn't say uh, while it's still standing. Is the idea here of while, in other words, you, you can't see it, so that's why you, you can't see it. It's not visible yet. It was symbolic for the... And we'll look at that actually in depth. we get in a later lesson. We're going to actually go into these. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. My new King James changed that back to the present tense. Concerning only with foods and drinks, various washings of flesh and ordinances opposed until the time of Reformation. Okay. Cannot make perfect. Were offered is wrong. It's present tense. Are offered. But the contrast is still there. Making the point that the translators fiddle with the verb tenses. But the contrast is there. There is a contrast. The sacrifices in the tabernacle and the temple could not make the worshiper perfect. Could not. They were never intended to. That is a false teaching. They were never intended to. Never in the Torah will you ever read. You come and bring your sin offerings to me and I'll make you perfect. You come and make your sin offerings to me and I'll forgive your sins forever. Or I'll even forgive your sins for today. What good does that do, by the way? Think about it for just a minute. What good does it do that your sins are forgiven today? So if I die real quick, hey, then what we ought to do is go to the temple, offer the sacrifices, and have somebody off us. Right? No, that's not ever what it was about. It was not about eternal forgiveness for sin. It was about not dying when I'm worshiping God. <laughs> We're going to get into that when we study the sacrifices, yes. Atonement is a word used a lot, a lot. than forgiveness. For forgiveness, I will forgive their sin, is used very infrequently. I will atone is used a lot. Cover. What's the purpose of covering? Again, as Valerie brought up so well, this idea of a shield. You know, I'm not going to die while I'm here. It's a great, it's a great thing, you know. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I'm going to go worship God, but uh, honey, I may or may not be back this afternoon. <laughs> you knew with confidence that you went, if you went and followed the protocols that he detailed, it would be a great experience and it was perfectly safe. And you could say, honey, I'll be back. I'm going to the temple. I'll be back this afternoon. But it was not like they went in like begrudgingly. Oh, I hope I don't die when I do this. Like, this is the greatest experience of my life. Exactly. So you know, it was almost worth the risk. Uh, real, real quick, real quick, real quickly. When, when in, in Jerusalem at the at the at the wall, there's a there's a new museum at the base of the wall, or down like below the wall, below the temple of, uh, above the city of David, that actually has a great. I mean, it's a great multimedia experience. They actually take a person, you know, in modern film and 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 put them in front of blue screen and actually have them walking around actually they have them walking around in this, this the ruins of the temple that you can see outside as you walk through this museum but then they 
they all of a sudden it shifts back and forth between present day and first century. I don't know why they chose first century, but first century. And he's walking along, and it has this guy who's he's described in this place, and now he's a worshiper, and he's he has saved his money to come to Jerusalem once. You know, this is it. And he's talking about how great it is that he's he's saved enough money to buy a sacrifice to go and participate here. And it shows him going into this area there and buying buying a sacrifice. And then it shows him going into the temple. And you never see what happens in there. But he comes out and he's just beaming. You know, I've been there. You know, I've done that. I've been in the presence of the Almighty. And but it, it, you you experience this huge screen. You experience this this you know you know by by osmosis you experience this excitement of going to the temple to worship God as if it were a lifetime experience, like a once in a lifetime experience. Even though they were commanded to go up three times every year, oftentimes if you did, lived a far away, you didn't because it was too difficult. So. Anyway, it's really cool. Also, when you go to the holy gates, and although unfortunately there's a dome of abomination, but you don't know where you got that from. But when you go up to the holy gates, you think about the fact that the first century was open, had all these people coming in through the holy gates. You're looking at see the size of the stone. Yeah, they're huge. Realize that this used to be the entrance. Yeah. Yeah. The Holy Gates. The Holy Gates are on the south slope of Mount Moriah. The city of David descended from there down the steep, steep, steep hill, and it was a big thing when you came up, you know, from Jericho. Like if you came down from Galilee, you came through Jericho to get to you avoid Samaria to get to the temple for festival time. You came from the base of this valley, the Gehinnom Valley, uh, or near there. You came up this valley, up in the city of David. It was a big thing, and there were huge steps all the way to the top. When you looked at, when you were at the bottom and you look up, the temple was monstrous. It was in the sky. It was on a mountain. I mean, it's a big deal. So when you approach the temple from those south gates, which is where all pilgrims came, it was a big deal. It was awesome. Of it's the Psalms of Ascent. These are the stairs of Ascent. And that's what they sang. Contrast, 9-11. I gotta, I gotta get going here. Uh, Messiah became, uh, came as high priest to the good things to come. Uh, by the way, they fiddle with the verb there too. Oh. Good things which are coming. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of his creation. He serves the more perfect tabernacle. Which is actually a repeat of something we've seen already. Contrast in verse 12 as well. Entered by his own blood. And by it he attained eternal redemption. This is the biggie for us. This is like... This is, this is the purpose that he serves. Was in order to present his blood as the eternal forgiveness. For an eternal relationship... For an eternal opportunity to live in the presence of the Almighty. And we also see that He does perfect. And, yes, and His blood does perfect. He is able to save to the uttermost, and it does make perfect. Contrast, He enters once with His sacrifice, 928. Did I skip any? That was a long jump. 
influence is repeated several times. That once. This whole passage right. that makes your point that the priests go once a year. Yeah, Yeshua goes once for all. And we're going to look at Yom Kippur in a future lesson as well, which takes these, it, because that's the point that the writer is making. He's making this Yom Kippur comparison, which if you don't know anything about Yom Kippur, you don't get the point he's making here. So it's very important, yes. He comes in once, which is why Yom Kippur happens once a year. It's to point to something. But Yeshua goes in once for all time. Yom Kippur is an interesting because what it does is it purifies the tabernacle slash temple. It purifies the temple in order for the continuing daily stuff to go on. So what we understand is Yeshua's sacrifice actually purifies the tabernacle in the heavenlies in order that we can be there with him. Interesting. Contrast, 10-11. Skip it? No. Uh, and every priest stands ministering daily, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. I guess that's why I skipped the daily, because I did it here. It's present tense. Aaron ministers, present tense, daily. Isn't it part of that same contrast that it says the priests stand every day, and then anyone yes. sure is See, well, that's a good one. Ooh, I like that. They stand, he's seated. That's very good. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Did I miss any? Well, later on, it does talk about how we enter in through him, through the way that he has prepared for us. I, I, actually, I, there, you know, the, the whole, all the chapters actually went, are continue to deal with this. So obviously, I just picked the main priestly comparison contrast. So. Any others? All right. What we see is that these tenses alone, as we've talked about, there's there's a lot of bias that the translators have put in here, and every, almost every English version does it. I mean, there there are some exceptions, but almost all of them do it. The translators' theologies demanded that they change the tense to make it appear that the priesthood of Aaron is a past tense. Or is a past thing. Without exception, this is not the case. And you can go through them without exception. Except where it logically makes sense where it says, and uh, the priesthood was, an, was initiated or, or, or anointed or something like that. It's always present tense. It describes their ministry as present tense and ongoing. And valid. For its purpose. For what it was, uh, Aaron Pinkus' priesthood is valid and eternal in its own domain. Which is in the tabernacle or the temple on earth period Yeshua's high priesthood predates Aaron's it's eternal and because he lives it is personally personally perpetual he it's not just his order that is eternal his very priesthood is eternal and it predates. And actually, when I say eternal, I don't mean everlasting from here on forward. I mean everlasting from future, from from days past to... That's exactly right. He was slain from the foundation of the earth. He was always the high priest. You know, this, this lesson has helped me to deal a little easier with Melchizedek's lack of uh, genealogy. genealogy. It, to me, it, 
after looking at it in this fashion or from this perspective, it becomes less of a. Who is this guy? What's that? I, I do wonder, but it's not. So, it, but it's, it's not a theological point for me. It's not the point he's trying to make. No, no. Now there are theological points to be made from it, but not in this context. And I don't believe Hebrews is going to that that direction at all. He's not trying to make that connection. Uh, the, who are the three that appear to Abraham in Genesis 18? It says one says the Lord appeared to Abraham. One speaks to him as if he is the Lord. How is he represented? He's a representative of the man. Is it the Lord? Yes. Is it a pre-incarnate Yeshua? I, you know, I don't know if you can describe him that way, but it's God. Is it Yeshua? Well, who's Yeshua? <laughs> you know, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to play this ontological game where where Yeshua is separate from the Father in some way, or 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 uh, an offspring, as it were. It's not important. The scripture does not explain it in, the, in, in the, except in what it says of him. He is. He is the Almighty. How we describe Melchizedek in that, in that fashion, to me, absolutely, why not? No problem with it. But that's not the point that Hebrews is, is discussing, in my view. Hebrews is not bringing up Melchizedek to discuss that question. It's a great question. But scripture doesn't really come all together and answer it. It just simply compares the two. Who are they? You know. Well, first of all, I don't believe Melchizedek is is Shem. <laughs> I have no problem with people want to talk about that, but I don't believe that. Um, uh, Shem did have genealogy. Exactly, Shem had a genealogy. That's exactly right. Uh, of course, the people who say it's Shem don't don't read this part of the scripture. So, yeah. Great Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeshua's ministry is in a different domain, and it's better. Because it has eternal consequence. Final comments, questions? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Yeshua's ministry on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that his work is done, it is completed, cannot be added to. We thank you because of it. We are forever beloved by you. Father, we are forever safe in your presence, and we thank you for that. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam Asher natan lanu Torah atemet Vechai olam nata betochenu Baruch atah Adonai Noten ha'torah Amen Blessed are you Adonai our God King of the universe who gave to us the Torah of truth and planted eternal life in our midst Blessed art thou Adonai Giver of the Torah Amen don't forget, no class next week. Skipping a week, we'll meet the, uh, God willing, the 12th. The 12th? Of, uh, I think that's right, Sunday the 12th of, uh, of uh, February discussing Lesson 14.